Hello and welcome to episode 2 of Avancé. In this episode, we will talk about two important characteristics that are necessary to improve your life, passion and perseverance. I'll be going over Angela Duckworth's book, Grit. So Angela Duckworth is a professor of psychology at UPenn and a MacArthur Fellow. She has been studying people for most of her life by studying their attributes, and grit was determined to be the most important attribute to determine success. She spent many years studying West Point students in particular. Many of these students have to go through arduous training, but many of them don't make it and quit early on. So the question is, what leads to certain people quitting early and what leads to others having determination and direction? If you think about it, there are so many people who are capable and talented, but they could never reach their full potential. And it's mainly related to their determination. The people who are successful have something called grit. For example, there is this mediocre writer that was often scolded for her writings. People around her really thought her work was not good. But what did she do? She kept writing. She learned, improved, and after a few years of learning and improving her craft, she won an award for her writing. This is the same story for most people. Why is it that so many people quit when the times are difficult? These are the questions I hope to answer in today's episode. So, the author concluded that there was one single determining factor that determined how far people go in life, and that was grit. Talent and aptitude, though important, were not enough to lead to success. The question psychologists have asked for a long time is why do so many people succeed, and why do others fail? The author explored this in depth when she met a young boy while teaching high school. The boy was deemed unprepared for the higher math levels, but after receiving his grade, he, went, he underwent a shift in his mental state and worked very hard to achieve great grades. He ended up taking two difficult math classes during his senior year and ultimately got a very high score on his exams. After this, he went on to college, graduated in engineering and economics, then he went on to complete his PhD at UCLA. All of this came from one thing, his grit, his willingness to continue working even through the adversities. I want to share this quote from William James, a prominent philosopher and psychologist who, in my eyes, is quite extraordinary. I was just looking the guy up and learning more about him. He said, Compared with what we ought to be, we are only half awake. Our fires are damped. Our drafts are checked. We are making use of only a small part of our possible mental and physical resources. Really think about this. I think all of us have this powerful potential, but only a few of us fully realize it. There's an interesting story I wanted to share. There was a student named Scott. This guy had no talent whatsoever. He was always a step or two behind the other students. He repeated the third grade. He was eventually sent to a special school. And there was a special education teacher that took him aside one day and asked why he was not put in more advanced classes. And it really made him think, so he started to sign up for more challenging classes. He took Latin, and though he was not necessarily great, he learned and improved. And eventually he found his passion in playing the cello, so he kept working on it. He skipped lunches to practice, and sometimes he even skipped classes. He eventually won many awards with the music department. He started excelling in his classes as well. Eventually, he would go to university, graduating at the top of his class. Will Smith, one of my favorite actors and comedians, firmly believes in the same philosophy. He said, The only knowing that I see that is distinctly different about me is I'm not afraid to die on a treadmill. 
will not be overworked, period. You might have more talent than me. You might be smarter than me. You might be sexier than me. You might have all those things. You got it on me in nine categories, but we get to the treadmill together. You're either getting off first or I'm going to die. It's really that simple. So the real question is, how can we become more gritty? Let's say you don't have that grit in you. How can you develop it? First, let's understand that grit is largely based on passion and perseverance. Like in most episodes, I focus on things that can be improved, things that you can control. And grit is one of those things. We can all improve our grit. An interesting study revealed that people develop more grit as they age. This might seem in contradiction to what you think. You might think that the younger generation, the millennials, are more gritty, but the study concluded otherwise. I'd like to hear what your thoughts are on this. But the explanation was that people who are older have gone through more rejection than challenges, thereby making them stronger and more resilient. So one of the key takeaways I took from the book is that in order to succeed in life, we have to constantly overextend ourselves. What does that mean? It means we have to work a little harder, push a little harder. A big part of grit involves maturity. There's an interesting story about a worker who got hired to work at American Apparel. The manager told her that she had to be on time, and if she was not, she'd be fired. No second chances. All of her life, growing up, there were second chances. There was patience, understanding, but now the stakes were higher. Stakes were tougher. So suddenly the girl was setting up two alarms, and this really made her become a stronger person. In business, most of the time, we care about whether or not the person can deliver, if they can be great. If not, then too bad. They're out. So the point of this story is to illustrate how over time, people become more mature. Through life lessons, we adapt and grow. So often we ask ourselves, why can't we get these goals done? The answer might be because of laziness, because of flakiness. In my view, there is more to this. There are four components of grit. The first is interest. Obviously, you have to have interest in what you're doing, right? Now, here's the deal. Sometimes your interest might not be there initially. Because when you're starting a new skill, starting to learn a new skill, starting a new project, beginning a workout, whatever it might be, it's hard to enjoy the early stages. It involves a lot of failure, doubt, steps backwards. So the key is to be patient and continue the activity for some time. The interest will eventually develop. And if you don't develop that interest after some time, maybe two to three months, then maybe you should pick something else. But there has to be this overlaying interest or desire with whatever you do. And once you've developed an interest in something, you must devote yourself fully to the activity and and focus full-heartedly. And eventually that would lead to mastery. The next part is purpose. You have to have this realization that the work you do matters and is truly helping people. That is the ultimate goal, to provide some sort of benefit to society at large. And the final step is hope. This simply involves you fighting through despite the adversity. You have this relentless determination that is unwavering. It's hard, but it's key to being successful. You probably hear all these stories of people who were right on the verge of something, but then they suddenly lost hope and they gave up on their ambitions. Now, the moment you've been waiting for. How can you grow your grit? How can you become more motivated to achieve? So a researcher did this study. He asked people what leads them to be successful, and they said that they love what they do. The most successful people, whatever area of life you're looking at, they have one thing in common. They love what they're doing. They have this unwavering passion for their craft. And as a result, they can deliver results. They can deliver. Now, 
How about those who have difficult circumstances growing up? Maybe they're forced in a certain field to make ends meet. Can they really ever reach their full potential? Unfortunately, it's going to be a tougher battle, right? But it's certainly doable. That is the beauty of it. No matter what your circumstances growing up, you can still make it far in life. I'm not just saying this out of thin air. You hear all these stories of people who come from poor backgrounds, who rise above and achieve the unthinkable. Think Oprah Winfrey, Larry Ellison, Ralph Lauren, Howard Schultz, the list goes on. This is the main point of this whole episode. Through grit and perseverance, you can achieve your dreams. I'd like to take this time to illustrate some of the most successful people in our era that you've probably heard of. I love sharing and reading reading and sharing these stories because it reminds people that there is always hope and opportunity. Like I said, there are some people that have it harder, but still, even for those people, there is hope. Who's heard of Cirque du Soleil, the famous circus troupe known across the world, who actually performs in Vegas, and I, I've seen them live, and they're very tremendous. So what happened with this group, the, the, the founder... Guy Laribert was a Canadian-born circus busker. He played the accordion and walked on silts and ate fire. He was just a basic circus guy. He was very poor growing up, but eventually he worked hard. He built his he built his company. He built he found people around him, and eventually he created Cirque du Soleil. Who knows Starbucks? Everyone, right? The founder of Starbucks. He grew up in a very poor neighborhood, in a housing complex for the poor. In his interview with The Mirror, he was cited saying, Growing up, I always felt like I was living on the other side of the tracks. I knew the people on the other side had more resources, more money, happier families. And for some reason, I don't know why or how, I wanted to climb over that fence and achieve something beyond what people were saying was possible. This is huge. Think about it. Then we have people like Oprah Winfrey, who grew up in a poor neighborhood, and look at her now. And then we have the founder of WhatsApp, the social platform that is one of the most popular. He actually swept floors at the local store and lived with his mother in a government-assisted apartment. According to, the inter- to an interview with The in- Independent, the founder, he taught himself computer skills and eventually co-founded the largest mobile messaging service. Eventually, we got purchased by Facebook for $22 billion in 2014. Larry Ellison, the founder of Oracle, he had to work odd jobs for his life early on when he moved to America. Now he's worth $60 billion as the founder. I could go on, but I think you get the point. The question is, why don't people realize their full potential? Why are so many people disengaged at work? It really comes down to passion. Many of us might take many years to find our passion. And in fact, that's what they found in the study. Most of the people interviewed reported that they spent years exploring several different interests. And the one that came up in their sleep and waking hours was the one one they sought out. Oftentimes, not the initial passion they had. The idea is to try as many things, and eventually one or two will stick. There are many many aspects of life that I have explored and tried, but I can't be an expert in all of them. That's why I pick a few and put all my energy towards them rather than trying to be mediocre at 20 different things. Initially, you want to try many things and be patient, but eventually you want to focus on a few and master them. For example, I was never, I never thought I would be speaking and making a podcast or writing. I was never particularly good at those things. But now that I'm doing it, I really enjoy it. 
And so it's the point is that initially I didn't really like it, but I explored it, and now I like it. So now let's move on to the second part of grit, practice. The author studied spelling bee participants and found that the ones who were more gritty, the ones who spent more hours perfecting their craft, were the ones who were successful. If you look at the most successful people in whatever discipline, you notice that they have one thing in common. They improve over the years. They spent hours, tens of thousands of hours, improving their craft. The key difference, though, between experts, I mean, a lot of people, like, they spend a lot of hours on different activities. But what do experts do that is different? They focus on their weaknesses and make improvements. So they practice what is not routine, but fine-tuned to work on their weaknesses. Eventually, once they have gone through a long period of practice, they reach a state of flow which is a state that you'd feel where things are effortless. The book examines the lives of successful people, and they all have routine and a habit. They have rituals. I'd like to talk about this interesting quote by William James. Eventually, if you keep practicing at the same time and place, what once took conscious effort becomes automatic. I thought this discussion on raising children was quite interesting. Though I'm pretty young, I plan to eventually have children. I'm sure many of you do, and if you, even if you don't, it's still interesting. So listen, when you're growing up as a, as a child, you make count, countless mistakes. But when you observe a baby, you see that they're struggling to walk. You see that they're, they struggle, they struggle again. But they still persist with this unwavering desire to keep going. So they have a lot of grit. But as they grow up, they notice their mistakes more. The people around them may scold them, embarrass them. And this leads to problems, so they don't really fully um, appreciate what they're doing. And they don't go the... They, they feel nervous about themselves, right? So instead of embarrassing them, we have to encourage them. Now let's move on to purpose. Our purpose has to be something that serves society and helps the community at large. The basis is that we all seek pleasure, but when we take a step further... When we help those around us, our community, then we are doing something for a noble purpose. We are, by design, social creatures. We are here to connect and help other people. Therefore, therefore, purpose is paramount. And now on to hope. Hope is pretty simple. I think we all know the meaning. It simply means having the belief that tomorrow will be better. The idea rests on the principle that our efforts will help create a better tomorrow. This goes hand-in-hand hand with the people who are optimists. Optimists have been proven to do better in life time and time again compared to their pessimistic counterparts. One specific type of therapy, known as cognitive behavioral therapy, is used to help people with depression. And in fact, it has been shown to help even more compared to antidepressants. The principle goes hand in hand with teaching as well. Teachers who are optimistic look for ways to help their students who are struggling. So they have hope in them, and as a result, they're better teachers. So if there's one thing I've learned from my studies in biopsychology, um, it is that there are various feedback loops, right? For example, let's say you have a stressor. Your limbic system, particularly the amygdala, reacts to this and is activated. But there's another part of the brain that can control the level of activation. In other words, your brain says, wait a second, I can do something about the stress. Maybe I can fight through it. It's not so bad. Your higher-order brain areas, particularly the prefrontal cortex, can downregulate the response of the amygdala, thereby creating more resilience. 
And so this goes hand in hand with the growth mindset, the optimistic mindset. We see each challenge as an opportunity for growth. On the other hand, the fixed mindset, we're pessimistic. One of them leads to perseverance and one of them leads to failure. So now I wanted to talk about a story between uh, two, two brothers. So the younger brother was preparing for college, right? He wanted to go to Princeton. And he asked his brother, um, do you think I could get in? He was, he was worried. He, was, he thought like he really couldn't get in. And his brother t- told him, the older brother, he said, yeah, why not? You just got to work a little harder and you can do it. And so what this created is it created a shift in his mindset. The younger brother, who was kind of skeptical, he went from a switch, and eventually he worked harder, he pushed himself, and he got to that level, and eventually was accepted to MIT, and even went on to pursue his master's, earning a perfect GPA. So the point is, it just took somebody, some mentor, anybody, to say the right thing at the right time. It could be a high school teacher, it could be a a mentor, or a family member, a friend, anybody. But the key is that you have to have somebody in your life that motivates you, that moves you forward, that helps you grow. We all need somebody like that. This little segment, this little part is geared towards the younger audiences. There was a study that reported the average teenager spends more than three hours a day watching TV and playing video games. I mean, think about it. That's, that's a lot. That's way too much. I mean, it's good to have fun, but I think that's, that's kind of going over the limit. So the, the point of this is that the author stresses the importance of extracurricular activities. You want to be doing things outside of school because it takes you away from the routine and makes you more focused and productive. And studies have proven that the people who have done extracurriculars in their high school years are more successful at the university level and are more likely to volunteer as they are older, as they grow older. And the longer they continue these activities, the better. The key here is following through with the activities and continuing them. So now let me give you a practical example of what we've been talking about. The Super Bowl head coach of the Seahawks, Pete Carroll, was asked, what is it that leads your team to success? What do you do? He replied, We are looking for great competitors. That's really where it starts. And that's the guys that have grit, the mindset that they're always going to succeed, that they've got something to prove. So the same principles we've been talking about this whole time are the same principles that Super Bowl winners follow. Let's end this episode with a couple notes. So the main point here is that grit is what drives us forward. It is something we can control and something we can use to help other people as well. And when all seems lost, there is still hope. You've already seen countless examples of people who have gone through extremely unpromising circumstances, but they beat the odds. That's the idea I want to bring across. We can all make it far in life. We just need to have grit, passion, and perseverance. Angela Duckworth conducted a study examining, examining the grittiness of people using various methods. The study concluded that the people who were more gritty had more satisfying lives. Obviously... Grit does not mean that you can accomplish absolutely everything. There are exceptions, but being gritty guarantees that you're on the right track to success and happiness. And that is the purpose of these episodes, to lead you one step closer to realizing your full potential and becoming a better person. Sometimes we go through our whole lives not reaching our full potential. 
After listening to this, I hope to ensue some sort of change in you, some shift in thinking. That is the purpose of this. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you learned something. As always, the key to seeing change is actually taking what you've learned and incorporating it in your life. Wish you all the best, and until next time.